Have you heard of the Hope Outdoor Gallery in Austin, Texas? Chances are you haven't, unless you live in Texas or have been to the gallery yourself. Situated on Baylor Street in downtown Austin, the graffiti park grew out of an abandoned construction site in the 1980s. Then, in 2010, it was repurposed as a home for street art. It's since then been one of the defining aspects of Austin's growing creative and hipster areas. The gallery has been home to a community of artists, residents, and tourists alike who flock from pretty much everywhere in the world to spray a message or an image of choice on the park's walls. They're hoping to get their 15 minutes of fame, but often it's only a matter of minutes before someone else comes by and adds another layer of paint. But it was only a matter of time before this concrete playground turned street art mecca would give in to the city's ever-growing real estate trend. In January of this past year, the Landmark Commission would approve the demolition of the Hope Outdoor Gallery for planned condo development. In part because of the gallery, that area is cool now. Everyone wants to move in. The creative spark that started the gallery has ended it. And with that, Austin street artists may hope no more. On today's episode of Sidewalk Talks. In order to understand what's happening in Austin, let's first look at the supposed difference between graffiti and street art, not only in Austin, but in the rest of the world. This is Lorna Brown, an artist of watercolor and urban architecture, who has spent the last year on a project called Painted Cities. I'm drawn to the bits of cities that are uh, often overlooked and tend to be the kind of more decaying areas of cities. This also happened to coincide with where a lot of graffiti and street art was located. And I was um, looking at creating a project that was bigger just than just individual pieces and of uh, paintings and following a story. Some point to the beginnings of graffiti in prehistory, scratchings and etchings of men and women on caves. Others point to the ancient Greco-Roman city of Ephesus on the coast of modern-day Turkey. It's a handprint with the image of a woman's head, said to be an advertisement for a nearby brothel. I think it's also important to note that graffiti isn't just art on walls. The great masters of the Renaissance often painted along large canvases of wall, and no one claims that's graffiti. Contemporary graffiti is associated with subculture, hip-hop, or rock and roll. It's associated with crime because it was. To this day, it's linked with high crime rates in cities, and when New York City Mayor Giuliani wanted to clean up the city in the 90s, he started by cracking down on vandalism of the subway and Manhattan streets. Graffiti artists aren't trying to showcase their talent. And they're not making art to be preserved in the Met or the V&A. 
most of them knew their work was going to be taken down. And so it's not timeless. It's poignant, political, panicked. Which was most noticeable in Cairo. The, the motivation for a lot of the street art graffiti was heavily political. Uh, and the same in Bethlehem. Uh, it had a political motive. Uh, and that was very distinctly different from um, work in LA, where I felt was more individualistic, and Australia, um, where it felt more individualistic and uh, centred around a person wanting to be known and getting up uh, and wanting to be uh, famous in themselves and within their culture. That difference that Lorna pointed out isn't surprising. Most of the time, street art in artsy places like Australia and LA are commissioned, much like the Renaissance artists of the day. Businesses, governments, and individuals pay them to beautify an area with their art. It's meant to be seen and appreciated in a very clear and obvious way. But the same isn't the case in politically turbulent places like Cairo. My, the favourite piece that I saw of the whole trip was actually the cover of my book. Um, it's the El Cid in Cairo. El Cid's work in Cairo is a bit different than perhaps other similar work in similar places because the creator, a Tunisian artist, was more than welcomed by the community when he decided to paint a huge mural across many, many buildings and homes in this small town. It's certainly there for beauty, but the statement it makes is meant to go way beyond that. The work is incredible and the scale of it is incredible. The location is incredible. But for me, it was the journey to finding it was um, just became a real adventure. Of, I hired some local, uh, local artists to help me find it, but they didn't know where it was. And we spent a whole day um, hunting it out, following clues, trying to trying to hunt out this like what should be a very simple thing to find I mean it's it's spread over like 50 buildings um but trying to find the viewing point of this work and where it was located became such a a great thing in itself and such a journey in itself that when I actually found the piece um it became bigger to me it meant more to me than if I'd just, you know, it was just something I'd stumbled across. And then I managed to go down into the small, kind of um, tightly constructed uh, little village where the piece was painted on the sides of these buildings um, and walk around the streets uh, with the people that would help me find it and uh, say hi to the local people and uh, view it from ground level. Um, because it was a piece to be viewed from elsewhere, being such a large uh, painting over a large area. That area of Cairo is known for where the garbage collectors live, but the mural was meant as a statement that this place seen as trashy by locals in Cairo is actually a place where used things were recycled and used for beauty. That's why the community was so eager to help El Cid out with his project. And certainly, both street art and graffiti seem to have this level of community significance. 
it's about lifting up certain communities or in many places critiquing the way they are treated. And we're now seeing a shift with street art moving from subculture into the mainstream. So the difference between street art and graffiti is a controversial subject and a complex one. Um, and the two are often used interchangeably. Street art being an aesthetically pleasing way of uh, adding colourful art to a rundown area to beautify it and therefore drive up the um, the perceived safety of an area and also the uh, attractiveness and therefore the house prices and uh, gentrifying, helping to gentrify an area. And I think this is exactly what happened in Austin. The Hope Outdoor Gallery, originally established as a place where residents could go to express themselves, to make a statement, or to just hang out with other like-minded individuals, quickly became a place for tourists to feel a part of the cool, trendy subculture of the city. This is happening very, uh, very presently in Detroit with um, uh, areas that were a free-for-all and um, curated by the people that create the work, then become curated by someone else. And, um, profit um, to, uh, to be an attraction um, and bring money into an area but as soon as you are curating it and deciding who is allowed to paint and who isn't allowed to paint and that you're literally locking up in prison people that are doing the same thing as someone else that has been invited and allowed to do this thing uh, and is getting paid for it that's the kind of conflicting story that happens in Detroit, uh, that's been happening in Detroit recently. It takes the power out of the people's hands who are creating the work and, again, marginalises certain people and uh, pushes them out of the system, out of their own culture and out of their own uh, expressive art form. And I think that is um, a dangerous thing. You're taking the life out of something and it will get used up and then thrown away at the end when it's no longer the cool thing and uh, gets moved on to something else. There's something I haven't mentioned yet about the Hope Outdoor Gallery. Because it was privately owned land, the owner had the freedom to tear it down as he wished. But the people of Austin weren't exactly happy about this. Over this past summer, there were huge campaigns and fundraising attempts and construction is currently underway for a new Hope Outdoor Gallery. Yet again, the community of a city takes control over the street art in their neighborhood, just like in Cairo. But the story isn't all sunshine and roses. The gallery's new location is about 10 miles outside of Austin's downtown. Event management and food and beverage consultants have joined the team and it looks like the gallery won't be able to escape from the trend of subculture turning into mainstream anytime soon. The new location is on a 58-acre ranch and will likely attract even more tourists from all around the world. I wondered if anything was being done to prevent street art from becoming a pure profit scheme. Uh, yes, yeah, so there have been occasional instances of uh, the artists flipping this the concept of like, gentrification and art washing on their head 
and one such example that I came across was uh, the illuminated mural by Catherine Craig in Detroit, where she created this huge work down the side of a building and then developers wanted to develop this building and she took them to court to prevent them from uh, essentially destroying the work which would have, which was uh, would have been involved in renovating this building uh, and she won the case uh, to preserve the work rather than have the, the building windows put in on that side as it's been developed so it won't necessarily halt the progress of the uh, building being regenerated for a long time but it certainly slowed the whole process down and it was one instance where an artist has said, has seen what has been happening with how their work can be used for kind of negative things within uh, social kind of reconstructing uh, areas of city and just try to you know do what they can uh, to It's not an open and shut case. Cities are always going to be going through changes, struggles between beautifying areas and keeping them real, attracting people from the outside and protecting the people who live in these places on a daily basis. Yeah, it was something I saw almost universally in almost every city I went to, was this, um, the changing nature of cities, and how we feel like they are aesthetic thing that we think buildings are static but they really are just changing all of the time um, but we don't want to hollow them out we uh, or you, I don't know you've, you've got you've got to put up a fight to, to hold on to the good bits that you want I think I don't know if Austin will give in to the profits of street art or if the community will be content with this new gallery scene but I do know Lorna is right about this. We have to fight for those parts of the city we hold close to our hearts. That's the only way to save anything. If you're interested in Lorna's work, her book Painted Cities is available in local bookshops and online. You can also check out her very aesthetic Instagram at Lornastration, L-O-R-N-A-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N where she posts really cool videos of her actually painting a lot of the places we mentioned today. 
Sidewalk Talks is brought to you by AGK Studios and its affiliates. This episode was written and produced by Alexandra Kitka of alexandrakitka.com. A big thanks to the Sidewalk Talks team, Nadia Oppenheim, Sophia de Chelier, and Nicholas Bueva. You can follow us on Instagram at Sidewalk Talks Podcast for behind the scenes and photos from cities across the world. <laughs>